You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Good morning. It's Wednesday, April 29th. You're listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now by Charles Power, national analyst, 24-7 sports. Charles, today we're going to talk about your 2021 mock draft. I know that this was a labor of love and this was something that you probably maybe felt a little bit guilty doing just because it's like really early, but this is something fans love. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's just, it's fun if you look at it through the, like the the right way. Um, I I think, you know, saying on the front end that, Hey, like this is a complete projection and this is really just a kind of a stock report of some of the top uh, NFL prospects entering, you know, next college football season. So that's kind of how I approached it. And, um, you know, just kind of a, an update on the status of, of draft eligible college players is kind of how I like, like that. Yeah. It's, it's just fun to kind of slot them uh, in that format rather than just like a, a top 50 list, which is a little arbitrary. Yeah, I love this type of content. I can't get enough of it personally. It's it's already up on the website. It's been up for a day or so now. You guys can go find it on the front page. Yeah. And look, like we've got, you've got Vegas's projected win totals factoring in for the order here and it uh, and that's how you have like the Ravens at 31 and the Chiefs at 32 which would be a an AFC all Super Bowl but you know like so like we're not going to talk about all 32 picks like I'm not going to you know ask you to explain why you have the Los Angeles Chargers at 12 taking Samuel Cosme but I, I think we will start from the top and talk quarterbacks and that's I think the defining thing about this class and of course I'm about to say Trevor Lawrence you know, tanking for for Trevor, Jacksonville would have the odds here to take him at one. When talking about Trevor Lawrence, I considered it to be a slam dunk that he would be the number one pick. Like, I think you agree with me, but you also cautioned me that like, there's gonna be some other contenders here. Yeah, I think if if you just look at if you look at this, if you put ourselves at at this point in the timeline on almost any year the last five or so years you have your number one lock guy like this time last year everybody was saying like it's it's for sure going to be to a talk and he wasn't the number one pick um and, and you go back i think Jameis winston is the first one or is the last one to kind of be the presumptive number one pick and, and still go number one then you had andrew luck before him but it, it's 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 been a while and i think it's kind of maybe a little similar to being a high spin front runner um being that top guy you're going to be picked apart uh, and I think it's it maybe adds some some pressure. So uh, and and I think what makes this one a little more unique um, is is you have a couple really good quarterback prospects kind of in in Trevor Lawrence's class. I, I think or at least had the potential of being in his class, uh, c- kind of right right behind him. So there's going to be whoever whoever's picking number one is going to have. Uh, a, a choice of, of some really talented quarterbacks so that's going to make it fun um and and I think it'll it, it kind of feeds into the the whole uh Trevor Lawrence Justin Fields 
rivalry. They're so almost they're almost kind of like the recruiting, uh, quarterback recruiting college, you know, bird and magic kind of. They've kind of had this rivalry going, uh, you know, back from from high school, and then obviously played in the college football playoff last year. And I think that'll continue into the draft season. And then we have another guy too that we can talk about a little later, I guess, if you want. That that I think will figure in the mix too as well. But it's gonna be it's gonna be really fun. Um, and I think it'll be fun for college football fans and you know, people who follow the draft as well. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence has been since 2015, the number one player in the, in the country since the initial top 100 for the class of 2018 was released in 2015. He's been the guy, this has been sort of his destiny, but you do see, you see these guys get picked apart and exposure lends that to happen even more. So like when you think about Trevor Lawrence getting picked apart, or Justin Fields getting picked apart. And Justin Fields you have in the mock draft going third to the Carolina Panthers, which is kind of funny. He would, you know, Cam Newton's no longer there, but unless I'm mistaken, Justin Fields was on Cam's 7-on-7 team, right? Yeah, I thought that was interesting too. It's kind of his his mentor. I know Cam Newton probably doesn't have... Um, you know, maybe the the great a great taste in his mouth the way that went down with the Panthers. So yeah, I, I actually thought I thought about it putting that in the write up, but I figured that's probably a little too uh too uh you know uh minutia f- yeah. for for the average fan, but not for me. So okay, if you're like, what are we going to see in the next twelve months? Assuming we do have a college football season this fall, and if we don't then we probably won't ever see these guys play college football again. But what are we going to see scouts pick apart when it comes to Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields? Like for Fields, you might imagine like he's had one year as a starter and he transferred. So knowing anonymous NFL scouts, that's going to be a talking point. Trevor Lawrence, I would assume it's interceptions from 2019, the first half of the year. And if he doesn't curb that issue in 2020, you'd probably see more of that. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think with Trevor Lawrence, it's going to be a lot of it's going to be just performance based. Um, he really, he, Trevor Lawrence has had these remarkable hot streaks throughout his career. Like he, when he took over, like late as a freshman, he was on fire, and then he got got off to a slow start. Um, you know, as a sophomore, and, and then kind of rebounded once they got an ACC play, um, and it played. You know, well, I think he obviously made some huge plays in the in the semifinal, but but was a little up and down for sure, and it was a, a tough defense, no doubt about it. But um, you know, I think they both kind of saw their up ups and downs. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence maybe a little more last year, um, and and so I, I think that'll be something that it'll just be kind of um, you know he'll he'll just be under under a microscope from from in terms of how he's playing, and I think. Uh, one thing too is you know like front offices are, are increasingly analytical with this. I think a lot of times you'll see them running like st- like statistical models and whatnot. And um, guys like uh, like Justin Fields has an advantage over Trevor Lawrence in, in that respect. Um, coming out of last year, even like Brock Purdy had a higher you know passer efficiency rating than Trevor Lawrence did as as a freshman. So I think that's one thing that some of these NFL teams will be looking at and seeing how he projects um, you know like statistic like statistically in terms of output. But I think in terms of like the skill set, like the like the people who are actually breaking down his passing ability, um, you know how how he can deliver from a bunch of different platforms. Like I, there's one throw that he made in the South Carolina game that that sticks out to me. The, the one where he was kind of like steps up in the pocket and just like lets it fly hits a guy going down the middle of the field like that was just like that was ridiculous like that was just that one's just seared in my I think brain. that's it's his best throw yeah throw. I think yeah, that's his best crazy throw, yeah. crazy throw so um he kind of has that um that that ability to make some some 
uh, you know, off script, off platform throws that you see valued so highly in the NFL. And then he's really he's kind of showed his athleticism mobility too. So I think from a skill set standpoint, there's not going to be much to pick apart at all. Um, it's going to be more so just like his performance and, and how he plays in the field. So uh, I think with Justin Fields. I, and, and I'll preface this too. I think they're both going to have really big years. Like they're, you know, a, a kind of. We don't know how this college season's going to play out, but you look at you know the, the the pieces that are returning. Like Trevor Lawrence is going to have to replace him with the offensive line, um, but but he has Justin Ross coming back. Uh, uh, in just several receivers, like they're going to be, Clemson Clemson's going to be talented again. Travis Etienne in the run game will open some things up too. And, and then with with Justin Fields, um, I, I think you know maybe like outside of the running back deal, but they got Trey Sermon. So um, I, I think Ohio State's going to be really talented. They're bringing in uh, two five star receivers to add to that receiving core. Uh, and he Fields was had a spectacular regular season last year. Uh, you go and like look at his stats, and they're just kind of it, remarkable. I think he had like you know three interceptions and around like well uh, he had like, one uh, in the regular season. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. And in in fifty fifty touchdowns. So um, I, I think with with Fields, it's it's a smaller it's a smaller sample size so far at, at, to this point. So next year will obviously weigh I think more heavily than it would would for Lawrence with Fields, um, which adds a little more variance to kind of where he's going to end up. I, I think uh, things to kind of look at with him are, uh, you know, his, his I think people will talk about his throwing motion a little bit. It's, it can be a little long at times and, and then just kind of decision-making. Uh, you know, Ohio State's offense is such to where it's, um, you know, get like a lot of quick passes and getting the ball out. So I, I think people kind of, be looking at how he responds to, to pressure and, and putting games like showcase games, like the one like like they played against Clemson in the college football playoff, uh, looking really closely at that one too. So I think there's a li- at this point a little more to pick apart with Fields, but he also has like um, you know a, a, a smaller body of work, so he has probably I think more room to improve in people's eyes, um, you know, with the next season. Going to kind of dive into the top 10, and then I promise we're going to get to your quarterback that you want to talk about. Uh, you've got uh, the best offensive tackle, Panay Sewell, Oregon. That's that's a no-brainer. Uh, and the odds here have Vegas Vegas saying that's the Redskins. Although, Charles, like if the Redskins are picking top three for the third year in a row, like you would assume Dwayne Haskins is no longer their dude. Um, so Panay, like, I, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. I think one trend that's interesting – as you get to four with Gregory Rousseau coming off the board, Marvin Wilson, Micah Parsons, listeners of the podcast should know who all three of those guys are. Is this, did you have to scrounge a little bit for defensive line talent? Not that Micah Parsons is a defensive line talent, um, but like Gregory Rousseau, it feels like maybe this is a bit of a dip in in the past, as far as like defensive linemen, like we, we've, we've been spoiled with the Boses and Chase Young and then, now we kind of got you know Greg Rousseau and Marvin Wilson. It 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 was not a great when I was kind of putting together just kind of how I did this. I I just put together kind of lists at each position, um, and I had maybe seven eight deep at each spot, and was kind of I, then I kind of formulated a pecking order and then slotted them in the spots off of that. And it, yeah, it was it's a pretty pretty solid drop off. Um, talking about guys in in, in the. The, the front seven for sure um uh, Mar- marvin wilson it, like the, the gap from marvin wilson to the next defensive tackle 
was like pretty large. Um, I think you it opens it up for a guy that could just pop out of nowhere. Like I, I consider like putting somebody like Christian Barmore from Alabama who is kind of making like a like a Quinnen Williams type leap. I think you will see somebody like that just just kind of come out of nowhere. Um, and and on the edge too, it's it's, it's pretty weak. Like I, I think you know th- this if we had been projecting super forward this time last year you would have slotted a guy like Xavier Thomas from Clemson in there Xavier Thomas like really kind of took a step back as a sophomore and he's going to kind of be under the gun here with Clemson bringing in all these five-star defensive linemen so is is he gonna use that as a way to elevate his game and kind of live to his potential or is he gonna just kind of you know fade in terms of the draft so um there's yeah it's not it's not great for, from a defensive line and, and edge perspective, um, just kind of taking stock on it. But I think it, it opens up. It's an opportunity for um, some some guys that might uh, have maybe been transfers or under the radar or backups in, in 2019 to kind of blow up. So that's kind of how I would view it right now at least. You got your first receiver off the board at seven, the Detroit Lions taking Jamar Chase from LSU. You look at this receiver class – you got five receivers in the first round. Chase, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota, two Alabama guys, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell, and then Rondale Moore. It's loaded receiver year. You you probably like it a lot to have five. Do you think that what we saw this past year in the NFL draft in 2020, loaded receiver group two, loaded receiver group in 2019, is this the new normal for the NFL? Yeah, I think it is. And when you go back, if you go back to the um – the 2019 draft like the 2018 college football season that receiver draft was loaded as well like all those guys played as rookies like there was second and third rounders who were making play like you think about a guy like like Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf they're making plays in the playoffs and had great years and they were second rounders um so I think it's kind of the new normal I think it I think it's a lot of it is you're seeing top programs in college football just open up their offenses and play like I think a lot of this is a product of a team like LSU playing four and five wide the entire year so we're, we're, we're seeing the value like Alabama had potentially four first rounders in their receiving core whereas you know like five years ago it might have been one or two um, just because of how they were running the ball more and not spreading out as much I think that's a product of that but yeah I, I do think that's kind of kind of be a new normal and it'll be interesting to see how the NFL um, kind of uh, maybe if the, if the market adjusts to like just the influx of receiver talent if maybe less start going in the first round kind of like you might see with like running backs or something um, but yeah this receiver class is really good I, I mean I the the Jamar Chase is one where it'll be interesting to see kind of how the offense works, uh, you know, ne- next season with, with losing Joe Burrow um, and assuming Miles Brennan comes in, kind of what's that going to look like? Um, new off, yeah, you know, I guess without Joe Brady, so a new a new receivers coach there, passing game coordinator. Um, so I'm interested to see, but Jamar Chase is one where like he could come out and have an average year, and I think what he did uh, as a sophomore was so impressive that. If, if he's not the number one receiver, he's still like almost like a lock first rounder because like, like I, I put this in the write-up, like last time we saw him, he was just roasting A.J. Terrell. And I think people use that as a way to ding A.J. Terrell where it was more so like just Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow were making crazy plays and A.J. Terrell was like in good, like kind of in good coverage, good position, but it was just the other guys were just too good. So, um, and A.J. Terrell just went 
number 16. And so I think what Jamar, Jamar Chase is one where it's like if he could come out and he would have been a first rounder this year. He's probably one of the few guys on this list that w- you f- for sure could have said would have been a first rounder this year, um, if not the top receiver. So, uh, yeah, I, I think with him, it's it's just kind of biding his time. Um, you know, you, and then you've sorry, got sorry, two. Go no, you've got two guys in the receiver list here who like sort of had the defining 2019. Like he got him good games where you talk about Jamar Chase versus AJ Terrell and then Devontae Smith like kind of got Derek Stingley when yeah. they played Alab- or when they played LSU. I went back and watched it. There's no kind of about it. Like he he definitively won that matchup. Um, got the best of Derek Stingley for sure. Uh, and I think that was probably one of the few games where Derek Stingley like got beat at all. Um, and it was just uh, I think Devonte Smith is is an interesting one. I think he's one that people will like more whenever coaches and front offices watch him. They'll like him more and more because he's just so technical. Uh, he was you know a lot of people probably wouldn't realize this. He was the most productive receiver for Alabama this year. He had that one game, I think um, who, who, it, was, it was against Ole Miss or Mississippi State where he had like four touchdowns in like the first half or something. Like he had a game where he just exploded um, and, and then that great game against Stingley too. So uh, yeah, I, I think he's just a really technical route runner. He, he's kind of thin. I think the main thing that Devontae Smith is going to have to show uh, you know, next year is just kind of improving his like yardage after the catch. Um, kind of goes down easy, um, but but he's really fast, great route runner, uh, really good ball skills, deep ball tracking. So um, he's one that that I think the more I like looked at him in this context, I liked. I, I was thinking he might be like a like a late first rounder, but I I think he's in, kind of in that top group um, after watching him a little more in doing this. Yeah, he's 175 pounds. It'd be interesting to kind of go back and look and see, uh, like some of the lightest guys. I know Hollywood Brown is up there, so you had yeah. Devonte going 17. Also the Jags, so that'd be that'd be a fun pairing. All right, I'm gonna let you talk about Trey Lance, and then we're we're gonna pick some more spots around here. I, I do want to talk about offensive tackle. I want to talk about no running backs, and then quickly touch on the defense, the defensive backs, I should say. But Trey Lance, Charles, let's. I'll let you kind of gush about this guy, introducing him to our audience. I know you've you will have something bigger later on Trey Lance, but this is a quarterback from North Dakota State who I don't think many people have have heard of yet. Yeah, I think well, I he's I think he's picking up steam um in terms of people that follow like the draft and just kind of these early um kind of looks looks ahead. I, I think he he's probably going to be on most of these. If 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 you don't see him on like a early 2021 mock draft, it's just cuz the person who put it together just hasn't watched him yet. It's not um I, I it's 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 just a matter of time. Uh but yeah, he's I I kind of like happened upon Trey Lance maybe like January it was kind of like in the FCS playoffs kind of in when you're in that lull where there's not a whole uh, uh, you're just kind of looking for stuff to watch and I was just like you know googling like looking up stats like oh he's good in the FCS or whatever and I see like oh North Dakota State has this freshman who is wait he's thrown 25 touchdowns and zero interceptions wait he's run for a thousand yards I was like all right I immediately like I have to look up look this guy up and it's one of those things where you peel back layers of the onion and he's like increasingly like you're waiting for something that's like not going to be impressive but it only gets better and better like this this weekend someone uploaded a 19 minute video of like like his highlights from this year I've watched it like three times it's just like it's just stunningly good so just I guess to kind of just break down the kind of player he is he's a redshirt freshman uh 
he was a three-star, like a low three-star prospect coming out of Minnesota. He's from kind of southwestern Minnesota. Um, he was a, a really good basketball player, played quarterback in safety for his high school, good athlete, comes into North Dakota State red shirts, um, and, and then takes over this year. And it's just like he was just dominant from the first from the first game. Um, he's he's a great athlete, but he is a very like he's like surprisingly like polished uh, quarterback. Like, I think he's he's like smoother than Justin Fields is a, a, as a passer, and his arm is at least from from what I can tell is is kind of in the league with with Fields and Lawrence. Um, and and I, I think it's important to kind of view him in the context of North Dakota State's offense and, and prior quarterbacks to come from the FCS. Uh, they, they, they've had coaching turnover, but they still kind of run the same offense that they were running with, with, with Carson Wentz. It's like a kind of a hybrid pro-style spread where he's under center, he's doing play action, um, but he's, they also kind of put him in the shotgun and run, you know, designed quarterback uh, powers with him. Uh, but his freshman season at North Dakota State was significantly better than anything Carson Wentz did there. And Carson Wentz was at North Dakota State for five years, I think. So uh, this is a guy who just instantly was was good. I think you compare him to prior FCS uh, draft, quarterback draft prospects. He was better than Jimmy Garoppolo at that stage as well. So uh, it's an early sample size. He's only played one year, but this is a guy who is supremely talented. And I would not be surprised. Like, I, I think, assuming he comes out and does similar, if not even better, next year, uh, and I think they're kind of returning some pieces to do that. Uh, I expect him. I think his like, uh, unless he has like a Jordan Love type drop off, I think his floor is a, as a top ten prospect and a guy who could maybe challenge as the number one guy. I, I think teams are gonna watch his film and just kind of drool at, at the projectability um, with how refined he is in a pro style NFL type of offense but he also has that like playmaking ability athleticism that you like to see um you know your top quarterbacks have like a Deshaun Watson or even like a Mahomes kind of guy so um it'll be fun to watch and I guess expanding that into college football season hopefully I, I I mean I'm I've been juiced for this matchup for really since I found out about it, but they're supposed to open with, with Oregon. So that, I mean, you're talking about like, that would be just unreal fun to kind of put, put North Dakota state and Lance to the test. Cause they've won like 37 straight games. So it would be, it's kind of be, it'd be an awesome um, week one college game. Like against that defense, that'd be awesome. Right. right? And Especially there's, there's, so, there's so many NFL guys on Oregon too. Like I was going through this, there's a, their, their, their entire secondary are kind of NFL prospects and they have Kayvon Thibodeau on the line. So yeah, yeah it's you've got, crazy. You've got one of their DBs, Javon Holland in the first round. Well, also like Trey Lance plays Oregon and then the next week, Justin Fields plays Oregon. So yeah. I know you're probably not going to sign up for like a take comparing like how he played versus Oregon comparing how he played, but like that's, that's pretty interesting. I do like that you mentioned Trey Lance as a litmus test for a good 2021 mock draft. Like if the mock draft doesn't have Trey Lance, like the guy is just kind of not really doing his research. The college football daily. will be right back. 
When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. No running backs. That's not shocking. It's it. I, I the thing with the running backs is we've had one go each of the we've had one go each of the last two years. Uh, Josh Jacobs went twenty four to the Raiders, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire went thirty two to the Chiefs. It's one of those deals where I just like the only team that I could really find with like a needed running back was the Falcons at eleven. Which one? If the Falcons are picking at eleven, they probably aren't gonna pick a running back. And two, like I just can't in good faith give a team at number eleven a running back. Like the, the chances of that happening is just highly unlikely. I, but I I wanted to go ahead and mention. Travis Etienne, Chuba Hubbard. There's some other guys in there like Journey Brown for Penn State is a guy who could blow up. Najee Harris uh, is is one of the top re- re- returning running backs. But I just don't like it. I, I just I, I think it's are will a running back go first round? It's probably a coin flip if, if they do. But it, it's just hard when you're doing this to assign uh, you know Travis Etienne in there um, when it's just hard to find a spot. Like I just I think it's it's hard. It, it's it's hard to look at the running back group and just peg a guy and say, okay, this guy's a first rounder right now. Cause it's just probably not likely. It, it's really interesting when you think about when ETN came back, Chuba came back, Najee came back. It was sort of like, Whoa, especially with ETN. Like there was like, Whoa, what are you doing, man? But you look at all the guys who went in the second round last week. And it's like, you throw, you, you throw ETN in the mix, Chuba in the mix, Najee in the mix. It's like, I'm assuming ETN would have still been a second rounder, but like that gets to be a pretty crowded room uh, immediately uh, when you've already got running backs essentially these days starting in the second round. So maybe that's some context as to, to why they came back. Defensive backs here, pretty good group. Patrick Sertan, you've got a 10 to the Cardinals. Uh, you've got... You've got Sean Wade, Ohio State, getting another first-round defensive back off the board of the Broncos. You've got Javon Holland. You've got a TCU safety, Javon Morig Woodard. I had never heard of him, and I'm a Big 12 guy. Virginia Tech, Caleb Farley. Like, I guess Eric Stokes at Georgia. Charles, do you think Sertan has locked down the top corner spot? Because he sort of gets lost in the shuffle because we, we talk about Jeff Okuda a lot. And then we instantly start talking about Derek Stingley when we talk about, you know, like, okay, Okuda's gone. Now it's Stingley, and Stingley will be a top five pick in 2022. And we sort of gloss over Sertan, who is an elite recruit, five-star recruit, who's doing a really good job at Alabama. Yeah, I, I think that's a little fair, though. I, I don't think it's it's, it's unfair um, just based on, you know, Alabama's, Alabama's secondary, like, in their defense just was not is the typical Alabama unit last year. I think anybody would tell you that. And when you look at how this kind of came up a little bit with um, Trevon Diggs, when you look at how Alabama played, like one good test of of an Al- like of what Nick Saban thinks of Alabama corner is if he's playing like you know single high or two high safety. If he's given both of his corners safeties help, help that kind of tells you that he doesn't have a ton of confidence in him. And so that, that that's I think Sertan had a great freshman year and you know maybe leveled off a little bit as a sophomore, but he has so much potential. 
I think right now you probably consider him the top corner, but it's not like it's not like he's entering the year as a as a lock. Which you know, is Jeff Okuda was kind of a guy who made like a you know if you want to call it like the five star jump as a junior. So I think Sertan could do that. Um, you know, Sean Wade could do that, but uh, it, it's definitely it's definitely up in the air. I, I think, those, but those guys kind of all I think one thing I was looking for with these corners is they all kind of check the boxes of, of what these teams are looking for um, in, in terms of just prototypical size athleticism because that's, that's such a big deal at at, at cornerback and um, you know the more I was looking at it I really like Caleb Farley a lot like he was a guy that, that 24-7 um, ranked pretty high I'm pre- I think like Luke Stampini saw him at the Shrine Bowl and they, they went pretty high and he was a he was a receiver who converted to, to corner um, he might remember him he had like two or three picks in that in Willie Taggart's first game at Florida State when Virginia Tech played them on like the Memorial Day um, but uh, he's he's a really good zone corner. One thing with corner too is a lot of times it it, it depends on the team that's picking, like what kind of defense they run. It's very specific um, to like the skill set for the guy that they're picking for the the kind of coverage they run. So he's a guy that's like a, like a big zone corner, like a team like the. Uh, I think I put him on the Bills, but like any like any team that runs that that scheme, I think would would like him a lot. And then um, I think it's a really good safety year, maybe compared to this past draft. Um, Morig Woodard is is a guy who is probably flying under the radar a little bit, but he was like, I think he had PFF's highest safety grade ever last year, um, or maybe it was one of the highest. I think it was the highest, maybe like the at least like the last three or four years. Uh, he was like you know first team All Big Twelve. He's big. I've heard nothing like I've heard people kind of around that that program think he might be the best defensive back Gary Patterson's ever had um and then Caden Stearns Javon Holland uh, and there's several more like Andre Cisco from Syracuse is a guy who I think draft people like a lot uh Jacoby Stevens who came back from LSU um you know Richard LeCount at Georgia so there's there's a lot of guys in, in a corner Ambry Thomas is one I like at, at Michigan I kind of wanted to try to get him in there I couldn't find room Eric Stokes for, for Georgia is a guy who you know, kind of has like over like Tyson Campbell came in as a five star, and Eric Stokes has really kind of played better than him to this point. And he's a guy who ran like a ten four um, in high school, so you know he's like really really fast. Israel Mukuamu from South Carolina is kind of a big zone corner um, that I think teams will like as well. He's probably probably remember him from he picked off Jake Fromm three times in South Carolina's game against Georgia last year. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of good DBs from kind of going through this. Maybe a, a kind of juxtapose that with. Uh, the the relative dearth uh, uh, with uh, defensive linemen. I'm glad you mentioned Caden Stearns because I was about to. I was kind of mad at myself for mentioning the DBs you have in your first round and not touching on him. Just a little housekeeping note before I send you off with one question about the tight ends. We had you had Trey Lance 15th to the Chicago Bears. I don't think I got that in mentioned. Okay, last one I think, unless we get wild. But you've got two tight ends here here, Charles. Uh, Kyle Pitts at 32 to the Chiefs who you just got like taking luxury pick after luxury pick in the first round yeah. um, as a long-term replacement for, for Travis Kelsey. And then your other tight end, you've got Penn state's Pat Freyermuth uh, coming off the board at 22 to the Colts. We didn't see any tight ends picked in the first round in 2020s. Uh, we saw a few though picked in 2019. So it's kind of nice to see a, a bounce back to a position that is in vogue right now. It's sort of undergoing a metamorphosis. And you touched on that in, in a really good article last year after the draft that, tied in sort of this new age position that looks a little bit different than it did five years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I So Pat Fryermuth actually could have come out. He was eligible for this last uh, draft 
despite, I think he maybe did a year at prep school. So I think the rule is it's like three years removed from high school. So he could, he could have pulled like a Larry Fitzgerald and just come out, uh, as a, as a true sophomore. But, uh, and, and I think under that, under that scenario, he, you know, would have been heavily in contention to be the top, uh, tight end drafted this this year so he he's kind of your classic like inline tight end who is a, just a uh, very productive uh receiver i think he's had like 15 touchdowns his first two years so he's on pace to kind of shatter records at, at penn state assuming he keeps keeps it up um kind of a bigger taller guy who yeah like he can line up and block and you know run it run off uh uh, kind of a, a, as a receiver off of play action and stuff. So he's kind of your more traditional tight end. Uh, and, and I think Kyle Pitts, uh, while he can do that stuff as well, is going to be one that a team that likes to spread the ball around more w- would probably like. Uh, Florida, uh, Florida kind of does some unique stuff with him, um, you know, with, like in the quick game and just really athletic, fluid. Um, he was impressive when I was watching him. So I think, you know, uh, those guys are probably the top two um, just kind of, projecting forward i probably liked him the most but then you have a guy like like brevin jordan at miami it figures to be in the mix as well he's kind of a uh a shorter um more like not really like a h back but he's kind of more of like a um stockier like kind of move tight end i guess so um yeah i i, I think this is definitely going to be a better tight end draft than than this past one because it just wasn't it wasn't that good I, if, after maybe Cole like Cole Komet was the, was the best tight end or the highest drafted tight end and then you had a guy from Dayton uh Adam Troutman and it was like a pretty pretty significant drop off so but teams like teams place a high value on that I mean the the Packers took an H back in the third round so I think teams are trying to get as as, as multiple as possible and I think there will be a lot of value on on those two guys I put put in this yeah good stuff I also have to mention that you have Brock Purdy as the fourth quarterback off the board, the Iowa State signal caller. You mentioned him when you were talking about Trevor Lawrence. You've got him going to the Saints. So I didn't want to end the mock draft podcast without like making sure I had at least mentioned all four quarterbacks that had been teased in the podcast headline. Well, Charles, thanks for joining us. I'm excited to read your Trey Lansing in a few days, and the readers should or the listeners should be excited about reading that. But uh, you know, you think you're. Uh, how confident do you feel about this list as far as, you know, I don't think you're going to go like 50%, but you could, like, do you feel pretty good about it? Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to bookmark it at least and, and see how many, how many we can get as just as, as, as first rounders. I mean, some of these are for sure projections. You're taking shots on guys like Baron, Baron Browning was one I took a shot on, uh, but I, I, that was one that I, I, you know, I, I think he could maybe blow up for Ohio state. If you're going to, bank on a guy um who hasn't maybe put it all together yet i think you know a a guy who plays at one of the blue blood schools is is a safe bet like a a somewhat like a baron browning at at uh at ohio state or um you know i i I kind of like it was it was funny like people were saying well you only have one player from from clemson or lsu in here but i'm looking at specific players but if you're gonna yeah if you're gonna bet on somebody blowing up it's gonna be someone from clemson lsu alabama ohio state probably so um yeah but like jalen redmond at at oklahoma was one i had on there so kind of kind of rolling the dice a little bit but it'll be fun to to bookmark it and, and see how it shakes out all right well that's gonna do it for today's episode of the college football daily we appreciate having charles on if you guys appreciated him joining on please leave us a five-star rating maybe leave us a review tell us who you forgot or who he forgot or you know maybe who you think should be a first rounder too um for charles for our producer tony levitt i'm trey scott we will see you on thursday for the next edition of the college football daily 
CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.